I wake up early every morning, and the first thing I do is turn on the coffee maker. I need that caffeine to get my rise and grind going. But coffee wasn't just doing it anymore. I needed an extra kick. That's when I found Ghost Energy. First of all, the name stood out. I mean, come on, Ghost, Casper, you get it. But the main thing for me was the sugar. There's none and only five calories per can. See, I was never a fan of energy drinks because of all the sugar in them. But with Ghost Energy Drink, I don't have to worry about that. Plus, I get a little nostalgia because of their flavors like Orange Creamsicle, Sour Patch, and Warheads. Hey, rise and grind, people. Grab a ghost and dominate the day. The Man Cave Podcast is hitting the road and recording episodes at your favorite locations. But we needed a little bit of help moving around the equipment from location to location. So we brought in the experts from Dan the Moving Man. Whether we're broadcasting locally or from a longer distance, Dan the Moving Man is with us every step of the way. And that can go for you as well. Dan the Moving Man is the moving service you can count on. They offer a wide range of moving-related services to help better serve you. So when you see us in the Man Cave podcast out on the road at your favorite locations, it's because of the help that we received from Dan the Moving Man. And you can get that same help. Just visit danthemovingman.com for more information. Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast. I'm Dan Casper, and I will be your host, guiding you through every episode. We'll mostly talk sports, but we'll also throw in some entertaining, fun, and even some weird topics and conversations. Plus, you'll never know who will be joining me in each episode. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Man Cave. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Dan Casper here with you, as always, through every episode. Appreciate you tuning in to this episode, whether you are a first-time listener or a regular listener. And as we just pushed record for the podcast, got to already do an audible. You know what I mean? We got to do an audible here a little bit. Got to change it up here. So uh, the Packers reportedly will be signing wide receiver Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins to a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. We're going to hit that up, and that's going to relate to uh, that's going to relate to kind of what I want to talk about with the draft as well, uh, leading up you know, two weeks up until the up until the first round of the draft, and I wanted to talk about that wide receiver position. I'm not going to, you know, do a whole lot of scouting reports or or anything like that. You know, we'll do that when it gets to the mock draft and and all that sort of stuff. So we'll hit that all up coming up here in just a little bit to to lead off the draft and such. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk some football. Uh, we're going to chat a little, uh, throw in a little golf chat, wrapping up the Masters. You know. Not, not, it's not going to be a Tiger Woods love affair. Don't worry. It's not going to be that. In case you're getting tired of Tiger talk all over the place. So we're just going to talk a little bit about that. And yeah, maybe my passion's back. That itch, that passion, it's back, baby. And then a uh, little fun topic we had on the, on the radio program this morning. So we're recording this on Thursday, April 14th. And uh, we were talking a little bit about Clayton Kershaw and how he was pulled before potentially getting the uh, the the perfect game, and it kind of developed into a conversation about like 
what are the most pressure-packed situations in sports? And I and I'd put it up there on Facebook, and I'd put it up there on on Twitter, and a lot of good answers. A lot of you are still chiming in on it, so keep that going. I've got my top five list. All right, so I've got my top five list here. It's not going to be the same as everybody else's. The thing is, there's no right or wrong answer in this. I haven't experienced either one of these. This is just from an outside person looking in. All right, so don't. Don't take them too serious, all right? Don't do that. So we'll hit up my top five list coming up here uh, a little bit later on. But let's just dive into this right away. Um, Packers bringing in Sammy Watkins. Now, a lot of you have already reached out to me on, on social media and that, and I appreciate that, whether I like this move or not. Well, let's let's go over some of the connections here first. Sammy Watkins, drafted by Buffalo who was there in Buffalo for a little bit, Jason Vrabel, who is now the wide receivers coach and passing game coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. In fact, uh, just the other day in one of his press conferences, Jason Vrabel was talking about his time with Sammy Watkins in Buffalo. A little bit of a connection there. The other connection, Matt LaFleur was with the Rams in 2017 as the offensive coordinator when Sammy Watkins was there. Now, the, you know, to, to, to play a little devil's advocate with that, that was also at least five years ago, right? 2022, five years ago. Buffalo was even before that. Is Sammy Watkins, remember, he was the guy that Buffalo invested a lot in in a draft and traded up and grabbed him in that. Is he the same dude as he was back then, this speed guy, right? Speed, deep threat guy. Well, you look at his numbers and you can make the case that he hasn't really lived up to those expectations from when he was drafted. He's been dinged up. He's missed some time. So, no, he hasn't lived up to that hype. He hasn't lived up to where he was drafted at. There's no arguing that. He hasn't lived up to that expectation. Otherwise, the Green Bay Packers wouldn't have been able to get him for what's reported a one-year deal for up to $4 million, which means there's a lot of incentives in this thing. But he's entering age, uh, he's going to be 29 in June. It's a low-risk option. Green Bay wasn't going to go out there and, and spend like 20-some million dollars on a receiver. Per year, I'm talking, right? They're, they weren't going to do that. They're hoping, they're hoping that this will turn into another like Devondre Campbell situation. Uh, even like a Rasul Douglas situation. More so probably like the Devondre Campbell one. But, uh, you know, hey, we're going to buy low, low risk. And we'll see, you know, hopefully we can tap into that potential. Hopefully by, you know, putting him in our offense. We, we, have, we have a lot of confidence in how, we're off, how our offense is constructed, how it's built. We've got a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. We got confidence that this can work. And it could. It absolutely could. It's a low risk. The thing is. We don't know how it's going to work. Sammy Watkins is set up to succeed in Green Bay. He's got the quarterback. Green Bay's got a running game. Uh, it's probably a for sure thing Green Bay's going to get some more wide receivers, whether it's the draft, probably a thing, but also maybe another veteran. Who knows? Sammy Watkins is set up to succeed. He's going to be a target. He's going to get some attention. He's going to get some playing time. He's got the best quarterback in the game. Now, could Sammy capitalize on that? Like Devondre Cabell capitalized on it for Green Bay. 
like Rasul Douglas capitalized on it for his playing time. Sammy's got to stay healthy, and he's just got to ball. He's got to go out there and ball. It'll help Green Bay, and it'll help him, you know, pad the stats there a little bit and get her going. You know, I, I always thought Green Bay was going to get a, a veteran wide receiver to probably come in on a one-year deal, one-year prove-it deal, play with Aaron, play for a contender, boost your stats up, and then hit the market again, and, and maybe you could cash in there just a little bit. And it sounds like, as you know, as I'm talking, recording this pod, seeing some stuff come through the, uh, some come through the Twitter. Pat McAfee, Aaron's, you know, soundboard, if you will. Apparently, our Aaron texted Pat McAfee and said that he already talked to Sammy Watkins the night before, and that he's excited, and pumped up for the sign. All right, you know what? If Aaron's excited, I'm excited. If Aaron's good with this. I'm good with this, okay? Packers, Aaron working together, Aaron doing a little recruiting, Aaron doing a little phone calling, a little texting, all that fun stuff there. Got to do it. Got to do it. Let's go, baby. Let's go. Find the fountain of youth, man. Deep field threat for for Sammy Watkins, for Aaron Rodgers. That's going to be his role. That's got to be his role in this offense. Matt LaFleur talked about it. Need a guy to take the top off. Need a deep threat, right? You need that guy. That's Sammy Watkins. They still got work to do. They still got to get some more depth. You're talking about four guys that are probably locked for a roster spot in that wide receiving group. Sammy Watkins, I mean, I would, excuse me, I, now I got the hiccups. You know, I'm too pumped up. Holy crap, this is going to be a fun podcast as I'm drinking a little ultra and trying to talk on here holy moly bear with me peeps okay so there's probably like four guaranteed spots in this thing in that wide receiver group Watkins I would argue is more of a guarantee than what Devin Funches was last year for sure Randall Cobb Alan Lazard Amari Rogers four right four I would have to imagine Green Bay's at least going to draft two two wide receivers possibly three and stash them on 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 the on the practice squad, essentially Green Bay is only going to have like six wide receivers on their on their active roster in the regular season. Okay, so honestly, I don't see Green Bay making another move for a veteran unless it's after the draft, and maybe they only draft like one guy early in the draft. If they draft like two receivers within the first two days, within the first three rounds. Green Bay's not going to bring in a veteran wide receiver unless it's like non-guaranteed roster spot like a Devin Funches last year. If Green Bay only drafts one wide receiver high in the draft, then I could see Green Bay bringing in a veteran wide receiver, Will Fuller-esque, to fill out their roster. But I don't think we'll get we'll, – we won't know that till after the draft. So I like the signing for depth purposes. It doesn't mean – that you know he's going to do exactly what Devontae Adams did and all that sort of stuff. It's not going to be that. Got to stay healthy. He's going to get the opportunities. Aaron's bought in. Let's do this thing, all right? Let's go. Now, with the draft and the wide receivers, I got to tell you, this is a damn hard position to figure out. This is a really, really, really hard position to figure this bitch out. Um... Because, 
this thing has gone in waves in terms of like who's going to be the first wide receiver drafted or not. It was going to be, you know, before we even were talking about the draft, you know, looking at still at the back end of 2021 and bowl games and, and you know, starting to kind of get a good feel on it. It was going to be Jamison Williams from Alabama. He tore his ACL. His draft stock drops big time. Then it was going to be Drake London from USC. Now it's Garrett Wilson who's climbing up on the draft boards from Ohio State. Jameis Williams, now I'm seeing something that he could go top 10. He's back in the conversation here. It's all over. Now, a lot of it could be smoke screens because we are in that time frame with the NFL draft. Smoke screens, rumors, agents, teams putting shit out there to try to throw everybody off the scent and maybe hopefully get their guy. I don't know how it's going to play out. I really don't. I have no idea anymore. I do know that these receivers, they all do something different. They're all different types of receivers. I mean, I've got the list right here. Six foot, six two, six four, six two, six, six three, five eleven, six four, five ten, five eleven. You know, outside, inside slots. They're all over the place. Big dudes, two nineteen, small dudes, one seventy nine, one ninety five, one seventy eight, two twenty five. They're all over the place. They, these are receivers that can, you know, they're either outside guys, deep threats, great route runners. Uh, you know, little bit you can involve them into the running game if you will. This is a really hard wide receiving group to kind of figure out here. Not not try to figure out in terms of talent. Not try to figure out in terms of like, are they going to get drafted high or not? But it's just, it's hard to figure out who's going to go first and second and third and fourth and fifth. It's a credit to, to the wide receiving group. And it's it's an intriguing group. It really is because... You know, let's let's say Green Bay, for instance. They could go Garrett Wilson, but they'll have to trade up probably. Drake London, a six foot four guy, two twenty. Well, that's a guy and he could play on the outside and the inside. Red zone threat. Green Bay struggled in the red zone last year. Now you lose out on Devontae Adams. That's a fit there. How about Traylon Burks? He's six two, two twenty five, bigger receiver. Yep. George Pickens? Yep. I mean Burks is kind of like a, a Debo Samuel type too. Chris Olave, six foot one eighty seven, great route runner. All those guys work for a team like Green Bay. They work in that offense. So, and Christian Watson's a guy that originally throughout the whole thing was probably talked more about a round three, day two pick. Now he's climbing up in the end of the first round. That's another dude, speed guy down the field. Helps out in special teams. That could be another guy. That's another guy that's been attached to Green Bay. Sky Moore, 5'10", 195. Can play the slot, but he played a lot on the outside too. Everybody looks at the height and just assumes slot guy. But he played on the outside too. This wide receiving group is its going to be fascinating like in a few years from now to see how these guys' careers are going. Like, are they having good careers? Are they some of the top receivers in the game? And, and these youngsters are going to have a lot more pressure put on them because in the current market for the NFL with these veteran wide receivers getting huge paydays, I believe I just saw the other day that wide receivers now are the second highest paid player per average You know, with the top contracts behind quarterbacks. They just passed edge rushers. So these young guys now, 
the, these receivers coming out of college, there's going to be a little bit more pressure put on their shoulders that they got to perform right away. Because you look at teams like Kansas City and Green Bay, quarterbacks, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Super Bowl aspirations, they're going to need to count on these younger receivers to be able to step out on that field day one and perform. And there's going to be more teams like that. So there's going to be more put on uh, the shoulder of, of these wide receivers. And the, uh, the need for wide receivers is going to be a little bit more there too. So it's just, ah, this, this wide receiving group is, is so interesting to me. I can't wait to see it. And it's going to be interesting to see, one, where they go on draft day, two, what their careers look like in the, in the next few years. All right, hiccups. I think I'm done. I don't have them. But we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, then we're going to talk about, we'll, we'll throw it, mix it in here a little bit. Top five most stressful sports positions, in my opinion. My opinion. All right, quick break. We'll be back after these quick words. Hey, this is NFL insider Mike Silver, and you are in luck because you're listening to the Man Cave podcast with Dan Casper. The Green Bay Packers are never boring. Neither is this podcast. Enjoy. All right, so this was kind of a fun conversation on the uh, on the radio show. The top or the most pressure stressful situations in all of sports. It was it was related to it. Kind of developed after talking about perfect games and and Clayton Kershaw being pulled from a potential perfect game there. And we put it up on or I put it up on my Facebook and Twitter. And a lot of you had a, di- a bunch of different thoughts, picks. It was awesome. And you still are to this time as, as we're recording right now. You still are. So that's that's freaking awesome. So keep that going. All right. So, uh, But I've got my top five, okay? Not everybody's going to agree with it. Not everybody's going to like it. I don't care. It's my top five. I don't have any personal experience in this. This is just my thoughts from from the outside looking in, okay? This is, this is just how I feel that I think are the top five most stressful slash pressure situations in all of sports. We'll go from five to one. So at number five, I've got the free throw. You know, no time on the clock or like one second, point one second, whatever you want to say. Uh, either you have to like sink both of them to tie it or get one to lead. Like I go back to when I was at the Final Four and that game of Auburn versus Virginia, right? Virginia guy shoots a three in the corner, misses it, but he gets fouled. I believe they were down two at that time. I believe they were down two at that time. And he made all three. You know, that's pressure right there. You got, you know, depending on where you're at, home, visitor, neutral site too. But, you know, that's kind of it. I think the biggest thing when you get in these situations is try not to think too much, try not to get in your head too much, and just continue to play your game, continue to play ball. It's easy to say, but to actually do it, come on, we're all human. These guys are human, right? Got butterflies in your stomach. You're thinking about it a little bit. So number five, I've got the free throw, depending on the game situation, whether you got to tie it, take it for the lead, or anything like that. Number four, being the pitcher, bottom of the ninth, 3-2 count, bases loaded, uh, you know, you're up by one, and you got to get the guy out. You know, you got to get the guy out. I'm going with the pitcher. 
the pitcher side of this situation for my number four spot. I mean, you throw a ball, you're walking in a run. You throw it down the middle and the guy tattoos it, you could lose the game. Hit the guy, boom, walk in a run again. So that's that's my number four. Uh, my number two is golf. I'm going to use like the master situation, lining up on the 18th hole. You know, you're up one. You've got the crowd that is just jam-packed on the fairways. I don't know how people don't get hit in the face on those some of those things. But, you know, you're up one. You got to tee it up. You got the crowd, butterflies, nerves, you know. All you got to do is par this hole, and you're going to win the green jacket. That, to me, is number three. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how they don't hit people. I'd be more nervous about hitting somebody. That would get in my head. I'd be thinking about it too much. That's number three. Number two, um, I'm going to go with... I've gone back and forth on one and two here. So I'm going to go with number two, the batter in that 3-2 count situation that we just talked about with the pitcher. I'm going to go with the batter in this one as my number two because you're up there like, do you have the courage? Do you have the balls to take a walk potentially? Are you going to be going up there with the mindset of swinging? You know, you got to be thinking what pitch is coming. Can you make contact? Can you, you know, get a base hit if you make contact? All that sort of stuff going with the batter I think the batter's under a little bit more pressure than the pitcher in that particular situation and then number one I'm going with kickers I'm going with the field goal unit you know say it's like a 50 yarder no time one second left you got to nail that thing you got a bunch of pressure coming at you that you know you could say whether be the long snapper be the holder be the kicker the whole operation's just got to work right that whole operation's got to work the blocking's got to work that, to me, is the most pressured situation in sports is being a part of that. The kicker is the one that gets the most attention and, of course, gets the most love. All the glory if that kick goes in, right? They get it all, but it's all the operation. It's the snap. It's the hold. It's the blocking. Got to get the angle right. What if you're in the elements? What if you're dealing with wind? There's so many different factors into this thing. So... Um, to me, it's number one is is being a field goal kicker, you know, in a in a kick to win the the Super Bowl or anything like that. So again, those are my top five: five free throw to tie it to win it at the end of the game. Pitt being the pitcher in a three-two count, bottom of the ninth, World Series base loaded. Uh, golfer, 18th hole, up one at a major championship. Being the batter in that three-two count situation, and then being a field goal kicker all right now speaking of a little golf speaking of a little golf quick break really quick break masters recap it's not going to be a tiger love a fest i'm taking it from a different approach where it relates to me potentially all right quick break we'll be back hey we're just taking a quick time out to remind you to follow me on the socials on twitter Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Remember, it's Casper with a K. And once in a while, I like to do a Q&A segment with you all. So I'm always looking for questions. Hit me up with a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with a question for an episode on the Man Cave Podcast. Sports, movies, hobbies, Bigfoot, it doesn't matter. Send those questions on over. So I don't know about uh, any of you listening right now, but, you know, I loved... 
the Masters, watching the Masters, watching Tiger in contention after round one. Round two, he kind of got off to a slow start, tried to make a push there, and then it was pretty much, you know, round three and round four, he, he, he was done. Round three, he was done. Round four, we knew he was going to have any chance or anything like that. So it, it drew ratings. We know that. It drew massive ratings. Everybody was paying attention to Tiger. It's the TV, the fans, Twitter, Facebook. Everybody was paying attention to that. I was watching Tiger. That's the most golf. I'll be honest with you. That is the most golf I have watched in a long time. Uh, probably since the last time Tiger was out on the course. Maybe even probably a little bit more than when Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady did that, whatever thing they did last year. But nonetheless, watching that, watching Tiger and watching a little bit of golf, it sparked that fire. It got that passion going in me a little bit. Like, I'll be honest with you, I got some new clubs. New clubs for the first time in... So I bought my clubs when I, I bought the current clubs or I guess previous clubs now when I had just graduated high school, which was 2004, but they were already used and a few years old. So, I mean, I had some pretty old clubs there, brand new for the first time in my life, bought some. And that, and I've been, you know, doing some chipping in the man cave, doing some chipping in the backyard, have yet to go to the driving range, have yet to get to the course and all that, but that, you know. Oh, I, I've kind of got like the golf itch again. I, you know, I've go I golfed every summer, but it would be like a couple rounds or a few rounds here or there. I'm talking like I want to do a whole lot more. I want to improve my game. I want to work on my game. I want to practice my game. I want to be a darn good golfer again. You know what I mean? Not to say I was great before. I wasn't. I wasn't. But I want to like work on my game. Like I remember in high school, I was working on my game all the time. Like, I was awful, but I wanted it to be at least okay. Like, I wanted to be respectful. Backyard, winter, had a weighted club swinging at, uh, you know, the ball on the string and you pound it into the ground, that sort of thing, constantly. You know, and I was, like, living and breathing it, watching it, watching clips, reading and, you know, tips and all that sort of stuff. I, You know, I think that competitive drive, is, is starting to come out in me again since I don't play, you know, sports or I don't have that competitive thing anymore. So I think it's starting to come back. It went away for a while, but now I want it to be like golf. I want to, I want to work on my game and I want to, I want to be good. I want to, you know, be respectful on that course. I want to be a guy. I want to be the dude in my, in my golf foursomes. If you, no, I'm just kidding on that part. Anybody who's listening who golfs in my foursomes or golf outings or anything like that but no i just that watching that masters and watching tiger it like sparked a younger dan again you know what i mean it like sparked me to wanna to wanna get better at golf and to play more and that's where you know I, i've said it for the last few weeks here but i want to do like a tour of the state i want to hit up some new courses um you know obviously we've got great courses around where i live and i'll be going to those too but I wanna I wanna visit courses I haven't before. I wanna at least do like five, five new courses every summer, all across the great state of Scani. Heck, maybe even in other states too, if we ever get any funding, if I ever get any funding for this thing. But it just watching that Masters, it was like I was a I don't know, it was like I was a youngster again watching golf because as I was watching, I was working on my chipping. You know, I got some new clubs, got some new wedges, I was working on that, trying to get a feel. And all that it it reminded me a lot of 
when I was younger and, and that sort of thing. So I'm pumped. I just need this damn weather here in Wisconsin to, to cooperate here just a little bit. You know what I mean? So, but I'm excited. And, you know, I know the Masters for a lot of people, it didn't have the drama. You know, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like, you know, Scotty was up by one and, you know, he's got at least part of this hole and, you know, there was no drama of like, oh, he's got to nail his 10 foot putt to win it or, you know, no meltdowns really. I mean, it was, it was just a dominating performance from Scotty from start to beginning. It really was. There really wasn't a whole lot of drama. Rory tried roaring back in that final round there. Tiger was out of it after day two, pretty much. So, uh, but it was a good Masters, and what Scotty's doing right now is it's an amazing run. His winning four of his final six tournaments. That dude is that dude is something. Uh, and we're going to see Tiger. Tiger committed to a, a pro am ten days before the Open, which is the British Open. It's in Ireland. Uh, he committed to the Open over at uh, St Andrews. That's a that's another bucket list for me. I would love to go to where golf was created. He's already committed to that. He hasn't committed to the PGA or the U.S. Open. Honestly, the fact that he's doing this pro-am 10 days before, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't do the PGA. And I know he's won there before in 2007, but I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't do that and he just makes sure that his leg is ready to go uh, for for the open sort of thing. So that's that's my opinion. That That's my opinion. That I Right now, if I were a betting man, I don't think he plays in the PGA. I think he's going to focus mostly on the open and making sure that his leg and his health is going to be good for that one. It's a little bit more of a flat course there. Tigers won there twice. I think he's going to really focus on that. And it surprised me too. I I figured Augusta was his favorite course, but he said that uh, St. Andrews is his favorite course in the world. So I think he's going to put a lot into that one to try to make sure he gets gets that championship over there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't um, – doesn't play the PGA just so he can try to, you know, con- conserve some health, conserve some energy, get that leg ready for, for the for the open there too. So, but hey, that's gonna do it uh, for this podcast for this episode of the of the pod. Uh, we're getting closer to the NFL draft, so not next week, but the week after. I think I'll you guys will be the first ones to hear my mock draft, both Packers and first round. So a full. Full-on seven-round Packers mock draft and a full-on first-round mock draft. So I'm going to do that uh, in two weeks. Next week, though, I'm going to my first NHL hockey game. My first NHL game. It's going to be next Friday. So we'll do a podcast episode before that, so I'll have to recap it. But anybody listening, you want to give me some tips on – I don't know how to act in an NHL game. I'm not the biggest hockey fan in the world. I don't know what's probably going to go on. I don't know what to do. So that'll be interesting. All right. Appreciate you tuning in. Till next time, we'll chat with you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for checking out the podcast, whether you are a regular listener or a first-time listener. Hopefully you'll be back if you're that first-time listener. Don't forget to subscribe and follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon, practically everywhere. And don't forget, give it a good rating like that five-star rating so other people can find the podcast as well. Special shout-out to Kyle Schaefer. He's our music guy. All the cool sounds 
sounds and, and music you hear on the podcast, that's all from Kyle Schaefer. If you're interested in some of his music, follow him on Twitter at Phoenix underscore Guy 8 or email him Schaefer, that's S-C-H-A-F-E-R dot K-W at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and thanks again for checking out this episode of the Man Cave Podcast.